Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Right, good to be with you, Payne and Pendergast. Real quick, and then we'll get to a, a goat's comments about C.J. Stroud. People are seeing you laugh on the YouTube, so they're going to wonder what you're laughing at right now. I'm, I'm laughing at some stats I'm going to share with you when we talk about C.J. Stroud. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. I <laughs> can't wait to hear these. Um, real quick, uh, text. This goes back to the audio we played earlier of uh, Nick Casario yesterday, vehemently denying that he wants to go back to New England or go anywhere other than stay here in Houston. Um, ben Volan is a writer up in Boston who thinks that Nick Casario doth protest too much. Um, Middle Screen points this out. He said, I didn't realize Ben Volan's pinned tweet is from November and says, Patriots like Mayo, but if Belichick leaves, they may want Vrabel and Casario. So Volan's got kind of a vested interest in this now since he's, you know, he's got his pin tweet headline article from two months ago up there. That um, um, When I read that, I didn't, for some reason, it didn't register that he was like talking about Gerard Mayo. And maybe it's because I had just mentioned Will Levis. Yeah. I thought it was like, I, I thought it was a metaphor for something like Patriots like Mayo. But uh, like if Belichick, like, like, like yeah, like Belichick is the mayonnaise. Yeah. Uh, so if but if Belichick leaves, they may want Vrabel and Casario. Like Vrabel and Casario, more like a, a ketchup and mustard. Mustard I don't and know. relish. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that'd be the poster. Yeah. Ketchup and mustard. Yep, yeah. There you go. Um, mustard and relish. Listen, listen, we put ketchup on hot dogs where I'm from. <sighs> okay. Gross. Dude, Sick weirdos Gross. that think that that's somehow somehow strange. it's nasty. Um, Jackie Goss, the Texans North up in Boston needs to adjust their expectations. I'm so tired of I'm so tired of the Patriots trying to copy the AFC South everything and uh, pluck up various yep. people, but especially the Texans. We yeah. are yeah, not yeah. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Everybody, it's been proven. You try to take somebody from the Texans and make it work up in New England, and it's not going to work. Bill O'Brien was a dismal mess this year. Yep. Okay? So stop trying it, Patriots. It's sad and pathetic. We are not the Texans North. <laughs> not that it's not erotic, though. <laughs> Robert Kraft. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch him rebuild. Bob Kraft. I bet. How old? I bet Bob Kraft is actually like forty-six or something, isn't he? <laughs> I, I just, like he strikes me as that kind of guy. Like when he was <laughs> ridden hard and hung up wet. <laughs> Like when he first proposed to the boss's daughter, which is what he did, everybody. Um, yeah. When he first when he first decided to shag his way to riches, That's right. uh, like his her father was probably like, "Why did you bring a Why did you bring a sixty eight year old?" <laughs> I'd like to marry your daughter. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, let's get to Peyton Manning. This Pey- guy, this guy's so slow. He'll never he'll never do anything dodgy in a massage parlor. Never. This guy, I can trust this guy with my daughter. That's right. She was dead by then. But she. You know. <laughs> I was gonna. <laughs> what I thought about pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She oh, yeah people die. Yeah, you know? it happens. Yeah. Um, Peyton Manning, still alive. Uh, he For now. he For he, now. he had he had this to say. Uh, he was on a. Uh, a podcast yeah. with Kevin Clark. With Kevin Clark. And Kevin Clark was talking about him, talking to Peyton about just how difficult it is being a, a rookie quarterback. And Peyton was making fun. Peyton was saying he wishes somebody would break his record of most interceptions thrown in a season uh, as a rookie. Like He's like, of all the records that are going to get broken by uh, of his, that's the one that he'd really love to get broken. And he was having a lot of fun with it, kind of poking fun at himself. But Kevin Clark, you know, brought up C.J. Stroud. And just how good C.J. Stroud has been at taking care of the football and asked him this. 
I mean, I mean, CJ Stroud, the way he's played this year, I mean, like the respect I have for his season, I can't describe it enough because of what my rookie season was like. I mean, I always say, well, it's tough being a rookie in the NFL. CJ Stroud's like, it doesn't look that tough. It was extremely <laughs> tough for me. So, look, the game is faster. You play at Ohio State, you play at Alabama. The NFL, I mean, it's just faster. I think I made my game too fast because I said, well, the NFL is so much faster than you know, my drops have to be even faster and I have to go through my reads even faster and that's not necessarily what you have to do you just have to respect the speed of the defense and understand hey I just can't make that throw I made that throw a ton and I can't make that throw right and that's how you prevent those turnovers I think CJ has figured that out so much quicker than I did it took me a whole season I kind of figured it out my second year right but I had to go through that rookie year yeah and uh, and I think like that part of it, knowing which throws you can and cannot make, that's that was freakishly good with CJ. Except that it was made better because it was coupled with an aggressiveness that like it wasn't like he was gun shy and wasn't throwing interceptions because he was so scared to to unleash it. He was averaging those first five games where he didn't throw a pick. He was averaging seven point nine yards per attempt. It was crazy just how effective he was downfield and not. And he was the first to point out he got lucky a couple times. Like, like you don't have sure. a stretch like that without getting a little bit lucky here and there. But the sum total of it was even without the luck, he still would have thrown very few interceptions for how for how aggressive they were downfield. He threw five interceptions all season, and three of them came in one game, which is even more yeah. remarkable. They weren't. It wasn't like they were. Sp- it wasn't like the league started to figure him out after not throwing interceptions. And started, you know, each game someone would jump in a passing lane and pick one off. Like, he just had one really bad day against the Cardinals. That was 60% of his interceptions. And they won the game, too. That's the crazy thing, is he threw an interception against the Saints. That's where he threw his first one. He threw three against the Cardinals. I forget who he threw the other one against, but those are two games that they actually won, and he threw his picks in. It's kind of crazy. I will tell you this, Seth. Peyton Manning's record for interceptions thrown by a rookie is never getting broken. You know how many he threw? Uh, was that 28? 28. Yeah. 28. Yeah. That's never getting broken because, one, the league just the, the league is just more cognizant of they, protecting the football. And, two, no rookie's ever going to be allowed to stay in long enough to throw yeah. 28 interceptions. Payton, Payton came in when, like, a 2-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio was still considered, you know, okay, yeah, that's a good NFL quarterback, where now it's, uh, you know, don't even talk about a guy being good with it unless he's like four to one or five to one. Yeah. You know? So um, that's changed a lot. Yeah. And he also, Peyton made this point. They'll, they'll manage rookies more carefully now and pull them out. Like, whereas he had Jim Morris senior that would have just, just let Peyton die out there. Just let him die. Uh, I think I can remember he benched him like once um, and, and made him feel really bad about it too. There was no soft shoulder to lean on with, with Jim Morris. No, no. He started every game, but yeah, he, he, I'm sure. Yeah. Somewhere along the way in a game, he probably got benched. Absolutely. I I, I know you've got some Joe Flacco, uh, quotes here. I just want to, I want to preface this. If you're thinking about rookie quarterbacks and you know, where they might end up 15 years from now or so, Joe Flacco, his rookie year went to the playoffs with the Ravens. Mm Mm-hmm. I, Sean, I'm just going to read some, I'm going to read his, his box score stats to you. Okay. This isn't a game, this isn't a season where they went and, and went to the AFC championship game, lost it to Pittsburgh in 2008. Um, the, the first, this can't possibly, it is true. Okay. Um, the first wild card game versus Miami, 
he was in a victory. He was 9 for 23, completion percentage of 39% for 135 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. 43% or 39% completion rate. Dude, the second and game, they won 27 to 9. They won 27 to 9. The fact that the fact that Ray Lewis held off from murdering this kid, this rookie, <laughs> is like a testament to the restraint that Ray Lewis he is He evolved of over time, Ray Lewis did, yeah. But next week, Stop divisional playoffs, people. Baltimore at Tennessee, a victory, a, a Baltimore victory, 13 Ugh. to 10. He was 11 for 22 for 161 yards. Oh, my God. Um, he must have completed one deep one there because, like, I don't know how he got 161 yards on those 11 completions. Um, the, but then in the, in the championship game, that's where uh, everything came home to roost. Final score was uh, was Pittsburgh twenty three to fourteen. Yeah. So Baltimore again, like the defense held Pittsburgh to twenty three points. Flacco was thirteen for thirty, completed forty three percent of his passes for hundred forty one yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, three interceptions, including a pick six to Troy Polamalu to get the over. And you know how I remember that? That was a leg. I had that the biggest parlay I've ever won in my life. Yeah. Biggest parlay I've ever won in my life. A ten dollar parlay. That netted five thousand seven hundred dollars. Really? Yes. It was an wow. eight. It was an eight leg parlay that had a bunch of underdogs in it. Really? Yes. And one of the legs of that parlay to keep it alive. I had the Steelers minus the points, but yeah. I needed the over in that game, and the over was like forty one. Oh. And 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 the so the the Ravens had the ball. So the only way it looked like I was going to get the over is if the Ravens also covered the spread. So my parlay was going to die unless. I got a pick six, and Troy Palomalu intercepts the ball at midfield, and he jukes, and he jives, and he runs, and he spins, and he gets into the end zone. And I stood on the counter at Jake's Philly Stakes while he's running it back and screamed, Run, you magnificent son of a bitch! And he scored, and I netted $5,700. And everybody, everybody who was sitting with me, at that bar that day, I took out to dinner that week when the money showed up. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how, that's how the poor good karma, for. yeah. So, what, um, what, did you, did you have Twitter at the time? Did you tweet about it? No, Probably not, n- huh? No, no, it was, it was, it was, I was on Twitter like two months later. It was early 2009, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's so. what X used to be known as, kids. Yes, sir. Um, so, Flacco, the funny thing is, you look through his playoffs, and uh, few and far between are the games in which he completed over 60% of his passes, <laughs> including that Super Bowl run. Yeah. Including the Super Bowl run. The first three games, this is his completion percentage in that Super Bowl run. Um, 52%, 52%, 58%, and then finally, in the Super Bowl versus San Francisco, he, he was 22 for 33, 66%. Yeah. Uh, but just, like, notably, like, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions no in that playoff yep, run. Yep, yeah. no turnovers is a big thing. Here's Joe Flacco yesterday on how different he expects the Texans' approach to be on Saturday. Yeah, listen, I mean, I think anytime somebody plays like that, you're definitely going to go into that game and say, all right, we're not getting beat by that guy again. But once again, it's not my job to worry too much about that. It's my job to go out there and play on Saturday and just, you know, do what the do what the defense tells me. And you don't want to overthink it either. You know, you don't want to, you know, not, you don't want to take your head off of Amari just because you think that they're going to have some gigantic plan for him. Uh, we got to be ready for everything. Yeah, um, I like and that pretty much echoes what D'Amico has said that uh, the Texans, I, the Texans don't necessarily 
have wrinkles defensively that are huge and noticeable. I thought a lot of what D'Amico's going to do at times would be just kind of, um, you know, swapping responsibilities, disguising blitzes. I thought they did a good job. They did a really good job selectively blitzing in this last game versus the Colts and came up big at the end of the game. I don't know how I was trying to go back and think about, okay, how much of it was the play calling and the play of the defense versus Jonathan Taylor on that last drive? versus, okay, was it Jonathan Taylor's bum ankle? I mean, there are at least a few of those plays. I don't I don't think, like, Derrick Henry in his prime would have gotten out of the backfield on yeah. it. You know, they, got, they were deep in the backfield, and they had him hemmed up. There were one or two that maybe a, a healthier Jonathan Taylor would have burst out of, but they hemmed up Zach Moss in the, in the first carry in that one, too. Well, the, there was one where he ran into Josh Downs. Like, Josh Downs yeah. was doing some kind of motion. It was a short yardage. Or in the backfield, that was an ugly one. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. That, that, that prevented them from staying on the field on that, on that yeah. drive. That was, a, that was a third down, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, yeah, the Bengals was the other team that CJ threw the pick against to let them back in the game, the almost pick six that let the Bengals back in. So what I, all I know is the Texans are 3-0 and when C.J. Stroud throws an interception in a game. So go out there, throw a couple picks, and get us a win, C.J. <laughs> totally you non-correlated. That, you know, yeah. the, uh, the complete non-Kirk uh, Cousins type of stat, C.J. Stroud is 7-3 and against teams with a winning record this year. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, that is non-Kirk Cousins. Now the one thing, Kirk Cousins would have loved this schedule the Texans played this year. <laughs> 16 noon Sunday games? Cousins oh, would have, yeah. Cousins would have thrown for 6,000 yards on this schedule. <laughs> Just nice get up and, uh, you know, go to work, go yeah. home, be in bed by 7. Hang with out your... with his kid, watch, you know, they play video games with his kid, his 6-year-old kid with the binky in his mouth. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what else, too? Like, this is – I was thinking about this this morning. Um, and there's I think there's going to be a lot of Texan fans that are probably happy about this, at least a very vocal minority – that when we mention the name Deshaun Watson, go, why are you guys bringing up Deshaun? I have not thought once about Deshaun Watson this week until um, this morning. The, you know, there was you know something in, as I was you know scouring the internet getting ready. But they're playing. I mean, Deshaun is on the Cleveland Browns, and I, I've not thought once to type his name in the rundown. I, he hasn't crossed yeah. my mind one time all week. He's been on the sideline as of later, at least when I've watched and noticed he's been on the sideline. Uh, remember, he got some criticism for being up in the booth looking very bougie um, with some fancy sunglasses on and everything yeah. and like looking like he didn't give a damn. Uh, shortly after that, at least, at some point, he's down on the sideline now giving hugs to Flacco. I don't know. Man, there's a part of me that if the Texans can't pull this off versus the Browns, I will want the Browns to go on a run, not because it makes the Texans look better or anything, but just for that. I, I love that offseason pickle that you're in when if all of a sudden, like what if the Browns were to win the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco as their quarterback? And you got this guy with still, I mean, most of his most of Deshaun's contract hasn't yet been paid out. Correct. So I don't know how much, like $200 million guaranteed remaining or so on the, con- on, on the contract. Like, I, I, boy. That's a t- and this isn't like some Nick Foles type of situation where you feel like, okay, well, they caught lightning in a bottle, but we don't really think that much of Nick Foles. If they go on a Super Bowl run with Flacco playing the way he's been playing, you would have to accept that, like, okay, this guy was a driving force, and we could probably get the same thing from him next year. There's, there, I, I think there's almost no chance Deshaun's not their starting quarterback to start next year. He's, they're, just, they're hemmed in. 
He yeah. counts $65 million against the cap next year. Chuck, what a buzzkill I'm doing in this hypothetical world. Which, mind you, everybody, this is not what I'm hoping for. It's just my little consolation prize. No, if, I... Uh, we, you know. Yeah, we, no, we talked about that. Now, now that the Texans are playing the Browns, I feel zero that way. But we were talked about that with a couple weeks left as Flacco was piecing not just the Texans defense, but a lot of defenses. Like, how dramatic would that be if he took them on a Super Bowl run? I really, like, honestly, after that Browns game... I felt I, I really I was I really liked the Browns like I admired their pluck and it and I thought at the time like well yeah I can do that like the chances of them meeting the Texans in the playoffs who knows we don't know if CJ's even gonna come back and play yet this year or whatever um and now it's now it's full force in front of me and uh, like all those reasons that I respected the Browns at the time uh, they've made me slowly start to hate them by sun, by Saturday um I will be a hate machine good good yeah, yeah. get your hate on for sure. Um, we're, we're going to reflect on some of the things, some of the accomplishments CJ Stroud had this year are absolutely remarkable. And does Nick Casario have a favorite CJ Stroud throw? We asked him yesterday. He, he cited two of them. We have them next.